Welcome to the podcast for First Baptist Church, Granite Falls. Here you'll find out what God is doing through weekly sermons, Bible studies, and conversations. First Baptist Church, Granite Falls is nestled in the foothills of North Carolina and is a gathering of believers on mission for the God who has rescued us. Find out more about our church at fbcgranitefalls.org or visit us in person at 12 Crestview Street, right in the heart of beautiful Granite Falls, North Carolina. Our prayer for you is that these resources will be used to help you grow in your faith in Christ and help you live on mission for Him. You know, when you think about uh, the story of, of, of God, the story of the gospel, all of that, you know, really we, we extract so much of humanity from this book right here. We read it as, you know, an ancient text and all of this stuff. Did you know it is just packed full, packed full of emotion? It's packed full of, of just in the life of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, I think, had so much fun with his disciples. I think he laughed. I think they joked. I think they just had a great time together. Um, but there was also times where it became heavy. There were times where it became, um, uh, there were encounters that were to be had, um, whether it was Jesus and Peter on the beach in John 21 or Really, one of the heaviest moments before the cross around this table right here, and you know that's what we want to see today in this um, in this in this message that leads us to this table. This will we'll just uh, abbreviate our time in the scriptures so that we can enjoy this time around the table together as well. Um, but if you take your Bibles and turn to First John chapter two, I want to start there. First John chapter two. As you're finding your way there, you know, uh, we've been talking about um, this concept of a beautiful exchange, the beautiful exchange of our sin for Christ's righteousness. And as we talk about that, we're going to end this series up next week. Um, as we talk about this, you really, when you think about exchanging something, a lot of times it comes in the form of money for us, right? A lot of times that if, if you think about um, going to the store, some of you are going to go out to eat lunch today, or you've been shopping this weekend. There is a great expectation when you go to the store and you bring your item up or you finish your meal. There is a great expectation that somebody's going to pay for that. Okay, somebody's going to pay for that. If you don't pay for it, there's going to be trouble. Um, if you try to walk out, um, there's going to be trouble. You're going to have to. Somebody's going to have to pay the bill. So there's this expectation of transaction where the retailer or the salesman gives up something to you, but they're expecting something in exchange for that. Most of the time, it's your money, right? It's your money. So if you take out uh, not much cash going around nowadays, probably swiping the card, and if it's, your card's like mine, it's got this groove right down the middle that's kind of worn out, smells like smoke, it gets swiped so much, you know. So, but, but there's exchange there. You get something and you pay for something. It's no different in the story of the gospel. And that's what I've been trying to get you to see through this beautiful exchange. And in, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, in Titus chapter 3, we talked about last time, the transformation that that exchange brings. It's not just, it's not just again, us being the center of the gospel. Because remember, remember, I've talked about that. There's a problem, and I think Ben actually read a verse that alluded to that this morning. Um, it becomes prideful when we put ourselves in the center of the story. And we do that so much because even when it comes to the gospel, and I want us to move away, move us towards Christ this morning, even in the center of the gospel, when we say th- things like this, you know, that, that we've talked about before, that, that God loved us so much that he couldn't live without us. And, and, he, and listen, he didn't need us. He didn't need us. 
But he, he gave up his life for us so that the, the wrath of God, we'll speak on this in just a minute, the wrath of God be satisfied, and, and we are beneficiaries of that. We're benefactors of that. We get, we get righteousness that we've never had because Jesus went to the cross for us. That's just a beautiful exchange. But, you know, it's not just, the gospel is not just about us getting something. It's not just about us even gaining eternity. It's not just that. Actually, the ultimate point of all of this is so that God might be glorified, that God would be lifted up, that God's whole intention of creating us to start with would be so that he could gain great glory. So I want to dive in just for a second, read 1 John chapter 2, just the first two verses, and then we're going to hop around a little bit. Um, But we want to come to this table today understanding this word satisfied. Okay? Satisfied. Just put, tuck that away in your heart for a little bit, and we'll come back to that. First John chapter 2, John writes these things in verse 1. He says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. Okay? So his, his intention of, of discipleship here is, I'm, I want to encourage you with these things that you may not sin. So he didn't, uh, he's not writing this, he thinks, to a bunch of perfect people, but he's saying, listen, you're going to sin. There's going to come a time in your life where you're going to, 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 um, to, to do something that's rebellion against God. And he says this, though, as he continues in verse 1, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. What in the world? Man, that, as I tell you, that propitiation, where that's bigger than mayonnaise, isn't it? You can't use but so many of those per day in Caldwell County. But man, what, what, what does that mean? What does it mean for Jesus to be our propitiation? We're going to come back to that in just a second. But the first thing I want to show you this morning on our way to the table, on our journey to the table is you've got to remember this, as we've talked about in this beautiful exchange, the reason there's an exchange that is needed to start with, because we are born into sin. We are helpless. All those boxes, remember that? Hopeless, doomed. You're, you're, we, are, we have no hope. We're without Christ. All of those things. And the wrath of God demands something because of that. You see, early on, when God's holiness, in His holiness, as He created the world, His holiness was threatened when, when our sinfulness and, and our, and our, of our hearts, it, it became, we became rebellious against God. As a matter of fact, we know Ephesians chapter 2 says and told us um, just a few weeks ago, Ephesians chapter 2, remember, it just doesn't say, oh, God's a wrathful, angry God. It says that, this, that, that you and I were objects of wrath. And as we said, you know, I don't know if you... And that's a comfortable place for you. It shouldn't be, but I don't want to be the object of anybody's wrath. I don't want to be the object of anyone who's coming after me. And in this, in this, in this instance in Ephesians 2, it says that we were objects to wrath. But notice Paul says, you were objects of wrath. You were objects of wrath. So if you're in Christ, you're no longer an object of wrath. We'll get there in just a, just a moment. But if you're without Christ, you're an object of wrath. And God's wrath, his anger, so when we think about wrath, his anger towards sin, not towards you. It, it, we, sometimes in this culture we say, some people say, oh, I don't follow God because he's just this angry old man upstairs that just takes people out. No, he's not. God's anger and his wrath is towards sin. And so God's wrath 
required death. His wrath on sin required death. And, and these verses you, you know to be true. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all, you can underline that big time, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is not, this is not Paul writing this just to make you feel bad about yourself. He's tell, telling you this to, to show you the separation that's between us and God before Jesus. Okay, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't say you, you've fallen short of your goals in life. You've fallen short of these habits that you started. You haven't fallen short of your New Year's resolution. No, you have fallen short of the glory of God. The glory of God is supreme. And if we are going to have a relationship with him, we cannot be in sin. Okay? So here's the, the point of God's wrath requiring death. Romans 6.23. Y'all know this. Some of y'all as the, the Romans road we used to use it. For that wages of that sin, not just that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but what that sin and rebellion has done for us, it requires death. For the wages of sin, payment for your sin is not just a tap on the hand, not just, okay, go, go, go on your way and do better next time. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Make a way for yourself. No, it's that you were so much in trouble before Christ. Or if you're without Christ, this is you now. The wages, the payment, know that, notice that transaction, that exchange again. In order for your sin to be paid for, the wages, the, the, the cost of that sin is death. And that's it. That's it. You can go, some of y'all might be good uh, bargain, bargain folks. You may, you may love going to flea markets or... Or some, I, we got one buddy back where we used to come from. He, he loves going to Lowe's and, and looking for all the stuff that's dented. <laughs> he does. He, he, he goes straight for the clearance section in the back. If there's, a, if there's a door broke, or I don't know, he might kick one of them, say, hey, there's a dent in that. That's not right either. Don't do that. But the, but the, but the wages of your sin is death. What the, the payment, the, the transaction, it's costly. Biblical examples of this that we've talked about are Adam and Eve. Think back to Adam and Eve for a moment, okay? Adam and Eve were, had sinned against God. We talked about this. They, they, were, they were hiding from God in the garden. They rebelled against God. They were shameful now. And then at the end of the story of Adam and Eve, what did God do? God killed the first animal, death for the first time, in order to do what? I want you to think of this word, covering. To cover their shame. Noah's ark, when Noah went into the ark and he, um, God told him to build it to these specifications, we talked about this, where he said, cover it on the inside and outside with pitch. And that word pitch, we get our word atonement for, which means covering. So God wanted to cover Noah and his family in the ark so that they might not face the wrath of God that was going to be poured out in the water and the flood. In the Exodus, God told Moses, he said, no, he said tell, tell, tell my people that the death angel is going to pass over tonight. And, and the, the 10th plague is going to, we're going to take out every firstborn son. And the way you are, your firstborn son, Israel, can be protected is if you cover the doorpost, the doorframe with the blood of the lamb, of a sacrificed lamb. In Leviticus, you see all of these, these, um, these sacrifices and these offerings, and, and there's this, the, the blood that was shed from these, these bulls and these goats, and it was to, to signify and symbolize the covering of God's people and their sin. 
And the priest was to go in and to sprinkle the blood and to cover the mercy seat. Even on Yom Kippur, some of you have heard that um, uh, Jewish holiday before. It signifies the Day of Atonement when once a year the priest would go in and take, a, 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 take the, the goat out and, and pronounce the sins of the people over the goat and lead him out of the city. And as they, he pictured and symbolized that bearing the sins of all the people, they would sacrifice that goat on a hill outside of, a, out of Jerusalem. See, sin requires death. But Christ became sin for us. That's what you're going to see, even as God speaks to your heart around this table this morning, that, that Christ was, became sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he who made him, he who made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of him. And it also says that Christ is our Passover who was sacrificed for us. He took our place because God's wrath required death. Jesus' death satisfied wrath. Flip back to 1 John chapter 2 again. Look at 1 John chapter 2 with me. I just want to tell you real briefly about this passage again. As John's writing them, I want to encourage you with these things. For those of you who, who, sin, who, who sin, everybody sins, but if anyone sins, we have an advocate. What's an advocate? It's one who speaks up for you. It's almost a picture in the, 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 the picture of a lawyer here, the one who goes between you and the one who is the judge. So if you were to walk into a, a, a courtroom, you have the choice to speak for yourself, but most people want an advocate, right? They want a lawyer to speak on their behalf, and Jesus is that advocate for us now. Okay, He is our advocate. But he says, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, what, what does he say? The righteous. The righteous. See, our, our eternity is not based on our righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ. And then he says in verse 2, and he himself, I love the Greek language because it emphasizes strongly that it's no one else. It's Jesus. It's he himself. Ego I me in the Greek. And it says he is this. He is the propitiation for our sins. Now, before you just say, oh, that's just a big Bible word that I don't know what it means. Here's what it means. It means appeasement. It means satisfaction satisfaction that god required death for sin but his son jesus was the one that came and instead of making us go to satisfy that requirement called death instead of making you give your life in death and with no hope for eternity and saying hey god listen i I'm, i guess I'll, i don't have any other way i'll give up my life so that you will be happy because my sin requires death. And in that moment, we see, though, that God said, but here's the beauty of his character, is that unless anybody steps in, kind of like probably y'all with my family, guys and gals, you, you go out to lunch today, what, what happens? Everybody jumps in and orders and eats, but nobody wants to take the ticket at the end, do they? <laughs> right? Nobody wants the ticket. I don't think there's been a hit in the history of us in Josiah 17. I don't know if in all the history that we've ever been eating out together. I don't know if any one of my kids have ever said, hey, Dad, I'll take the ticket today. Why? They're expecting the father to step up to the plate, right? The father to step up to the plate. They're, they're, they're not going to 
they get in this habit, sure, but, but they expect what? For, for us to take care of them. And so when the bill comes and when there's a, a fee, when there's a pavement, and when there's a transaction, an exchange to happen, when that comes to the point, listen to this, I, I also love this about them. I know it's funny, but I, I also love this about them, that they know that it's going to be taken care of. My dad had a buddy back in high school, long time ago, Eastern North Carolina. He had a buddy and they'd go out on double dates together. He had to quit going out on double dates with, with this other guy and his girlfriend because this guy would go into the diner there and take his girlfriend out to eat. And this was back when they had tablecloths. And he'd, t- he'd get done finished eating, he'd set the tablecloth on fire, and they'd all run out. True story. Dad said, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? He goes, well, we didn't have to pay for the food, did we? I'm like, man, they're going to hang us by our toenails. What are you doing? Somebody has to pay. And hopefully you have that substitute because nothing else will do. John says here, he himself, Jesus is the satisfaction for our sins. Not for ours only, but for the whole world. Check that out. Not for ours only, but the whole world. The difference is that some of us have just realized this and have come to faith in Christ for our, to be our substitute for our sin. But it's also for the whole world, John says, because he knew there was a whole world out there, and it continues to be, that we need to tell about Christ. Jesus is the only way, and he came to die once and for all. That's the verses we just read. But he died once and for all. Turn to Hebrews 10 as we close, and then we'll lead into our table, time around the table. Hebrews chapter 10. I know we're a little abnormal this morning jumping around like this, but Hebrews chapter 10, I want to read this to you. Because not only did God require death for sin, not only did Jesus satisfy that wrath through his death, and that's the picture around this table, but Jesus is also telling us around this table that, hey guys, I'm getting ready to do this, and I'm going to go to the cross, so you're not going to understand it, but guess what? This is going to be a one-time deal. This isn't something we're going to have to come back and do every, every time things get, get bad or, or things. Um, this is always going to be sufficient. Look at Hebrews 10. Check this out. Verse 1, Hebrews 10, verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. What he's doing, he's referring, he's talking to the Hebrew people here, Hebrew believers, and he's saying this, saying, listen, uh, those who, 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 who are, are in sin cannot be made right or righteous by some continual process of sacrifices over and over and over. The Old Testament way has to be fulfilled. It had to be fulfilled, and it was fulfilled through Christ. So as he says at the end of verse 1, that they make these sacrifices continually year by year, but it doesn't make those who approach perfect. Verse 2, for then would they not have, ha- have ceased to be offered for the worshipers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. Look at this statement, verse 4, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. See, the Old Testament process, you had to keep doing it. Yom Kippur, Jewish holiday, Day of Atonement, one day a year. You had to do that every single year in order for the the sins of the people to be forgiven. But it says here that Jesus, when He came, in verse 8 it says, Previously, 
what the Old Testament sayings were intending were that sacrifice and burnt offerings, offering and burnt offerings, and offerings for sin, you did not desire God, nor have you had pleasure in them, which are according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second, but by that will we have been sanctified through the offering, listen to this, of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I was in student ministry for 13 years. I know what it's like for kids to get saved every summer. <laughs> I know what it's like for them to love and worship Jesus and to say, oh, Jesus has changed my life until they got a new girlfriend or boyfriend. And, and then it was down in the dumps again. And then it was this whole process every year over and over and over. And I'm going, oh, my goodness. There was no satisfaction. There was never any appeasement. There was never any a point in, 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 in some of these students' life and where they just had peace. Had peace. We've got some baptisms coming up here in a few weeks. And um, I don't know if you've, you didn't, well, you heard this on Student Life Sunday. But a young lady, Riley, got saved. And I spoke with Riley last week as we talked about her baptism. You know what she told me? Um, I'm going to actually ask her to give her testimony one Sunday. She said this. She said, out of all the things as a teenager I've always done, I've tried to please other people. She said, at this moment in my life, she said, I'm at complete peace. Don't you love being satisfied? That's, that's the Snickers jingle in it. <laughs> Snickers really satisfies. But I'm going to tell you what, one Snickers doesn't satisfy me. <laughs> y'all looking at me all spiritual. I know y'all too. Yeah, see? What happens if you've got a set of six Snickers in your house, that one Snickers going to hold you over for a little bit, but what happens? Guys, you know this, by 10 o'clock at night, what happens? You get hungry again. You get hungry again, and you make your way back to the pantry, or for me, I have to hide them in special places around the house. My daughter, daughter told me a few weeks ago, I, was, I had hid some stuff in my little shop area down there so I could have some, and got home, and it was gone. And I went straight to her, and I said, where's my stuff? And I said, you need to quit taking my stuff. And you know what she told me? She said, you need to get a better hiding place. <laughs> She's grounded. <laughs> I was not satisfied with that answer. I was not satisfied. There's some words here that we'll close with. And Miss Ella, if you want to come forward, she'll lead us into our invitation time. And then we'll gather around the table for a few moments together. Sometimes it's never enough, but when it's Christ, it is enough. There's a song that's actually in your hymnal, um, and it's been re, uh, redone, re-recorded several times. And Shane and Shane, a great group um, out there, they've redone this song, and I love it. And here's the, here's the words to it. It's before the throne of God above. And it says, When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and I see him there who made an end of all my sin. Listen to this. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on Jesus and pardon me. You've got to wrap your mind around the fact that when you enter and to the point in which there's going to be access to heaven. 
Your ticket's not going to be some prayer you've prayed at VBS years ago. Your ticket's not going to be your church work, your church attendance. Your ticket is never going to be there. As this, actually this hymn greatly personifies the gospel, it says that God the just has to be satisfied. Nobody walks into a, gaw, a, a, a courtroom and you're under or you're going through a trial and you're, you nobody, not even the lawyer, walks into a courtroom and says, hey, buddy, listen here, judge. This is how it's going to go today. Bye. <laughs> See you. Good luck. You're done, right? The judge makes the final decision. That's why there's so much reverence. That's why you just you watch every word that you say because you have to make sure the process is followed through on. So what? So the judge is satisfied. For God the just is satisfied. Listen to this. When he looks on his son Jesus and pardons me, the great exchange of my sin for Jesus' righteousness. Christ has become our Passover. Stand with me this morning. Bow your head. Close your eyes. And I want you to at least just pray for a moment. You can respond by coming forward. Or at least preparing your heart. If there's... I'm, tr- I'm trying to show you this. That listen, you're no longer seen as a sinner in, Christ, in, in the eyes of the Father. If you're in Christ. It doesn't mean that you don't sin, but there there needs to be a reckoning. Some of you this morning may need to realize that Christ is the answer and you need him. Some of you need to realize this morning that you don't have to keep trying to be better and better and better every single day, that Christ has satisfied the wrath of God. If you've accepted that, then you're, you're good and you should begin maturing in your faith and in the word of God and the service for the kingdom. And I want to pray for us right here, and then I want you to respond, then we'll come around the table. Father in heaven, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that sacrifice has been made. And Jesus, our, 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 our substitute, has satisfied you as our just God. The death that you required was fulfilled and satisfied in Jesus' death. So God, whatever we have to do or say to you now, Lord, it's between us and you. And if it's nothing else more but just preparing our hearts to come around this table, as Paul said, some of you aren't taking this seriously. Some of you aren't. Some of you have sin in your hearts and you need to let the cup pass from you this morning until you make those things right with God. 